Hi, welcome to the Happy in Medicine podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christina Arnold. I'm an expert certified coach and a physician mom. I help women physicians go from burnout to happy in medicine. Let's get started. We're back and this week we coach the cast of Survivor. For those of you who've been following the show, you know, I love TV. I love, 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 love it. And I'm constantly coaching them. And it's been a dream of mine to actually bring this coaching into the world through the podcast. I've had this idea for years and then I met Lynn Grogan. She is a really exceptional coach. I have known her from working together in similar groups. I love her take on life. And she is actually just as big of a super fan as I am. I have found my match. So she has her own podcast. It's called the Reality Show Life Coach Podcast. It's in the show notes where she goes deep on various shows. She did a wonderful series on The Bachelorette, and now she's looking at Survivor. And she talks about it, as you'll see in this episode, like we can bring in coaching. How will we coach them? What are coaching tools here? It's so interesting. It's just a new dimension to bring into our coaching toolbox. So What you'll learn in this episode is we break down one of the biggest blind sides in survivor history. I talk about why an all-woman alliance generally doesn't work, and it's not for the reasons you might think. We talk a little bit about Jake and all he taught us about how to trust others, and then we also round the discussion with the survivor auction as back, baby, and I share some news about why it went away and why it's coming back. It's a really fun show. There's so many juicy tidbits. So as you're driving to your Thanksgiving, wherever it is across the world, Here's a little something fun you can take on your road trip. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Reality Show Life Coach Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about Season 45, Episode 8 of Survivor. And with me today, I have special guest, Christina Arnold. Christina, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi there. I am a general life coach for women physicians. I help them become happy in medicine and relationships and in their home. And I love Survivor and everything reality TV based. Uh, And I know that on your own podcast, you've recently started covering some reality TV shows. Am I right about this? This has been a dream of mine because I have always been obsessed with TV. And I've always, and my husband's like, why don't you just coach them? Just, just get on your podcast and do it. And so, but in my mind, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. And so I just have been delaying doing it. And then I came across you and your podcast. I was like, a minute we could just have make this so much fun just could be so like just the highlights what i think just like i love how you put this together and what you've created and so i did one a recap of 90 day fiance which is my favorite reality show can you believe this i have never seen 90 day fiance like i think i just get into my favorites and so that is definitely on the list because every person i mention reality tv to they're like well have you seen my 90 day fiance you must watch this so Obviously, well, be careful it. because there's so many franchises that if you get into it, you might not ever get out of it. There's because there's so much to watch, but <laughs> I really do enjoy it. It's a delightful problem to have, I think. <laughs> um, how did you get into Survivor? I watched it when it first came out. So I am the I am like an OG of reality TV. So I mm. saw real what was it called back then? MTV was the first one that did it. Real world. reality show. I don't even real world, right? So I started watching yeah. Real World and the Survivor and Big Brother. All of those started coming out around that similar time. I just have always liked reality TV. It's so interesting. 
maybe it's the coach in us. Like the idea of observing human behavior is fascinating. And so Survivor gives you that glimpse plus, plus there's some competitive elements to it. And yeah, so much to relate to. So interesting. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what they're going to say. Like the title of this episode, I just loved it. Following a dead horse to water. Like I've never heard that before. And that's such a great expression. <laughs> You'll never get there if you follow a dead horse. What a clever way to say it. You just learn so much about life too by watching people. Totally. Yeah, you're right. That's, I mean, that's, those are the elements I pick up on too. And it's just like so fun to just kind of zone out sometimes and watch people doing fun things on TV. So, um, all right. Well, this episode was bonkers like so much happened we have so much to talk about today um i'll do a quick recap and then we'll go from there so we start out we get back to camp sifu and caleb were sent home last week so they were still reeling from this um the women have done math and they have realized that six four women on the beach. So they're contemplating a women's alliance, which I think kind of helps to throw a curveball for what happens later in the episode. Um, while they're just hanging on the beach, this boat arrives. And I don't know, did you know what was about to happen when the boat was coming on shore? All the previous from last week, the survivor oh, yeah. auction was coming back. So I sort of knew, guessed that was happening. Yeah. So they have the auction, but there's so many like new fun twists. I think this is actually like the best iteration that they could have done. Like first they have to go run through the jungle and find their money. So it means they're not starting on an equal playing foot. Playing foot? That's probably not right. It doesn't matter. Um, and then they have like twists in terms of there's not gonna be advantages there. Like nobody could have strategized this auction because it's completely different than they've ever run auction. One done the auctions. Um, Bruce loses his vote. But that turns out to not matter because in the immunity challenge, Bruce wins immunity. So it doesn't really matter anyway. He's safe. Um, they have an option to sit out if they want to get rice. And I'm sure we'll talk about that later. There's a little bit of a shock there. And then when they go to tribal, this was probably the most viscerally I've ever felt a blindside. Kelly is blindsided and sent home instead of who I thought was going to go, which was Jake. I think what Jake did you was think of this episode? Too. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And no one like, was more surprised than Jake. <laughs> yeah, this was a packed. This was a packed episode. I was sad to see Sifu and Caleb going, but it's particularly Sifu. So it was just kind of. I was still like, oh no, he's gone. And um, I love that they brought the Survivor auction back. I thought that brought in so, and to watch their, like, if you could have watched this portion of the show on mute, it would have just been just as entertaining as with, the, with um, or, or just to see their faces. Their faces were so dramatic. It was such an exciting moment for them. They were starving. And this is such a classic survivor bucket list and there's always opportunities to advance yourself in the game for example if you get a high protein food you might be feeling so much better if you get to invite other people to it you get to kind of carry favor with them so we got to see all that at play and who doesn't like a good blindside oh i know like oh did i like it i don't know because i loved kelly but at the same time it was like i don't know the just the way they presented it was so interesting. Well, um, I suspect we will talk about that, but what makes sense? Let's see, where do we want to start? I mean, we could start with the auction if we wanted to. Um, kind of talked about it a little bit, but 
what did you like? I, I think what's interesting about this is like when you have standard survivor things, usually people are like, okay, well, here's my strategy. Here's what I'm going to do with it. But this was completely different. And they didn't, they weren't given any time to actually contemplate what they were going to do, which I think is a kind of an interesting way to throw people into things. Like, how do you think like people handled this? I think when we don't have rules, it gets very primal. So, for example, during that thing, it was Kelly who said, just run, Bruce. Who cares? Just run. And so you just get that part of your brain gets lit up. We don't know what's going on, but we're going to be running from there to there, which I just thought that's what we were seeing. And I think Kendra described it. She's, I thought, or my note for that was a Kendra won the strategy at the end. She's like, just use all your money. That's the strategy. Right. And so I thought that was beautiful that she just like 320 pretzels, give them to me. <laughs> And, uh, yeah. yeah, I yeah. agree with that. Actually, the primal is probably the best word that you could have used here because it really did feel primal. Like they just had to go. There was like no time to think. There's no time to react. It was just like whatever your first thought is, just go with it. Um, curious that Bruce's first thought was just to hang back and like shake sand out of his shoes. <laughs> I don't know about that as a strategy. Like, where do you think that mindset came from? I, when I watched it, I thought this seems so on brand for Bruce because uh -huh. he has separated himself out as like the old, he started as I'm going to be uncle Bruce or he's really said I'm, so he is, old, it feels like he always looks to be the person who's kind of on the edge of things. So, um, which I don't think is necessarily a great strategy, which is why I don't think he can win is because he, he's, he doesn't seem to value like the. The relationship piece the, of building an alliance of people who trust in, and and want to help you advance your game, like that piece he's missing because he wants to always be kind of out on his own a little bit. So that to me, I wasn't surprised by. Yeah, I was a little like, I thought it was interesting. And maybe this is where a little bit of my surprise came in that like usually, I don't know, I'm just imagining a situation where everybody else is running frantically and you're not. Like you must, and this is maybe where like Bruce, you can just tell he thinks differently is because ordinarily it would be like, oh my gosh, I should run too. Like nobody knows what's happening. Everybody is running. It's like the house is on fire and he's all like, let me just slowly put my shoes on here. Sand out of my shoes. Yeah. 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 I was yeah. just like, okay. Um, and I mean, obviously, Keturah loves this because when his bucket is empty, she's like, this is amazing. He's going to lose. I mean, ultimately, he does. But um, but it is a, I mean, it is interesting the way that, yeah, they have no way to prepare for this. And they probably all thought it was going to go one way. Like, OK, now you have D who has nine hundred dollars. She's probably thinking, like, I'm going to get all the advantages. I'm going to get a pile of food. I'm going to do this and that. And I mean, Jeff throws a massive curveball that. They just have to come up within a second of how they're going to respond to it. Which I thought was fascinating. So I did, a, I, I had a guess that they took away the survivor, the survivor auction. I was like, why are they doing this? This is so interesting. So I did a little background reading. If I could just mm. nerd out a moment. Absolutely. My theory on this was that this was a political, like this might've been a culturally insensitive way. Cause you have, for example, people who are being given or like there's up for auction, they reveal fish eyes or bat soup or something that's to that culture, a delicacy. And then you have all these people like throwing up in the background. Oh. Like I thought that might be culturally insensitive. That's why they took it away. 
But clearly, as we see, that's not the why, because they had the fish eyes and the whole experience. And um, and and the background reading was they took the auction out because Jeff Probst said that it was there were less viewership on that part of the segment because everyone was holding their money for the advantage. So there weren't people engaging in the auction. Everyone was just holding all of their money for the advantage. So they brought the auction back, but they took the advantages away and they they incentivized them to use the money, which made it so much more interesting. And also they had the element of, you don't know when they're going to stop the auction. And if you have money, whoever has the most money is going to lose their vote. So they really created a lot of fear around it or wow. excitement, made it so much more interesting. So I agree with you. It was a brilliant way to bring the auction back. And just while you were talking about that, I was thinking about how a lot of people in like everyday life would be like, well, this thing isn't working. Let's scrap it entirely. And this is maybe one of the things I like about Survivor. They're like, no, no, no. The general idea of the auction is great. There's just elements of this that aren't working. So let's just workshop out how we could do this differently um it's one of the things that i just i like about survivor like i don't know about you but it actually sometimes helps me think about business differently and like mm -hmm. running a business because it's like you could just be like well this doesn't work nobody bought this thing and it's just like no no, no maybe the general idea is okay but there's an element of it that we could tweak and change and test mm -hmm. and adapt rather than just throwing it out completely um and i just feel like there's so many elements especially in this new version of survivor where they do that they're like let's not throw it out completely but let's just change it just enough so that people relate to it differently right. i think that's why survivor's done so well for so long is because they change it and it's in unexpected ways and it feels new and different so it is interesting like what if what of that can we take for our own business in terms of keep what's working and thinking about how can we change and up level and grow and consider new ideas and new ways to make keep our business feeling new and fresh and have energy around it. Yeah. But I think it's also anchored in something that's familiar. Because if you change dramatically, people would be like, who is this new who is this person that I know and love and I've been following for so long? But it's still anchored in something mm -hmm. that people know. We right. know the auction. Yeah. We're not on the outs mm -hmm. now as viewers. We're like lifelong survivor fans and right. we still get it there's still a wink at what we know but it's just mm -hmm. like hey we're all adapting together um i'll be curious to see how they handle this in season 46 my guess is that they'll run this again just because the cast in that season won't have known the new twists mm -hmm. and turns of it mm -hmm. um, i feel like they like to do that just to see like okay this group of people responded in this way it's like an a b test like they responded this way the next cast how did they respond so we'll yeah, see that would be my guess they would bring it back too yeah. yeah yeah it was interesting there was one moment where jake got cake and he had to share it and i was like his choices there were a little bit interesting because he had bruce and then he had julie who he had just tried to vote off in the last episode. I was like, I feel like he's trying to curry favor here uh, by rewarding them. I'm like, I don't know how far it actually went, but that was like yes. the only thing where maybe there was some strategy, more strategy involved, I thought. Mm -hmm. It looked like he was trying to make up for last week. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to do it with anything, cake. Good. <laughs> yeah. It looks so good. <laughs> Absolutely. I was hoping um, Katura would have gotten a bite and she she was not feeling the fish eyes much i was hoping she'd get some oh. calories but <laughs> and the sound effects when austin took oh, a big bite of the fish that eyes. could I not like, have i was like there they someone ate an apple and they are just replaying it over the fish eyes <laughs> it had to have been yeah way too intense <laughs> 
It's oh no, I couldn't even watch it. I'm also like a known person for just covering my eyes through anything uncomfortable. So, but it's like it is interesting how when we watch TV, though, sometimes it just brings up our own feelings. It's like a good way to practice feeling feelings, I suppose, because it's a safe zone. Right. Yes. Yeah. Lots of feelings in this episode. <laughs> totally. All right. Any th other thoughts on the auction before we move on? Bring that auction back. I enjoyed it. That was that was good stuff. I like the less rules and less know you really get to see them and their instincts kind of at play. So I loved it. I love it too, because it's like, some of their ideas do crash and burn. They like try so many things and some of them fail completely. I mean, this was a total win, but sometimes you see things on the show where you're like, that didn't work. Don't bring that back ever again. So it's fun to see the playfulness there. Um, Let's see, where should we go next? You have a cool note here about um, the Kelly-Bruce relationship. Do you want to talk about that part? Kelly and Bruce. Yes. So I think, let's see. Bruce, uh, Kelly says, Bruce has been dragging my game down. You don't want to keep living with someone who's inhibiting your game plan anyway. And that was a very interesting, I don't know if I've seen that dynamic too much on reality show where someone feels attached and like their game is being maybe a little bit on big brother Suri with her son. There was a little bit of, gosh, Suri was like, this is not mm. working. <laughs> she like, is kind of attached to her son though his <laughs> play is like his play is just too aggressive for me um so maybe you have seen it but not it's not been a very constant theme and so i thought it was a really interesting remark that she made and i think there is coaching opportunities here to like question some of that what if yes so her response was well uh bruce is telling everybody i'm his number one so everyone thinks we're really close and and I got to get him out of the game. And for sure, that's, that is an option. But there are so many other options where she could have been advocating for her game player. She could even told Bruce, Bruce, listen, we got we got to keep our alliance quieter. It might be threatening people. Or she could be telling people, don't listen to him. I'm actually not that aligned to him or whatever the case is. But I thought that that was an interesting choice that she was making. And she says later in the episode, Bruce is so dangerous. And I don't know, maybe because I, I have thought, I'm not really sure I understand what the danger part is, because it seems like almost everybody wants him out. So I wasn't sure what it sees, but it made sense if she thinks that Bruce is dangerous, that she wouldn't want to, to disturb his like vision of reality of the relationship. Yeah. Why do you think Kelly hasn't like advocated for herself to either to have a different relationship with Bruce or to just not be in alliance with him at all? My guess is that there's some people pleasing here ish kind of stuff. Like she, she's playing a very socially safe game where she, and maybe that's not people pleasing at all. That just might be a very smart strategy is that she keeps everyone. She's in a relationship with everyone, which makes her a dangerous player right. because everyone kind of trusts her and likes her. Yeah. Well, and I think, and I was talking to a friend about this is that like, maybe Kelly just doesn't, have the perspective that we do and obviously she doesn't have the perspective we do as the audience that like everyone really likes her mm. and they seem to want to work with her there's lots of comments throughout the season of like oh man i really want to work with kelly i can totally work with her um but maybe she doesn't see that like maybe she doesn't see that and like her thought is well i guess i'm stuck with bruce whether i like it or not because he has like pinned his ribbon on me and now i am his I am aligned with him, like maybe a little victim-y. 
It's interesting. I think she's a person who's used to be well liked. And so she does not this idea of not being in a good relationship with Bruce, even though Bruce isn't well liked, is one that's mm. very uncomfortable for her. And oh. it, it would have been an interesting question is like, why do they all like what is it about what do you think is about Kelly that everyone is so drawn to her? Oh my gosh, I guess I didn't really consider this. You know, it's uh, it's interesting because I almost take it as a fact when people are like, oh, that's per that is a likable person on here, but that's not true. The same person with a different cast of tribe members could totally be on the outs or completely likable, but they just decide they're too dangerous and they don't want to work with them. So what is it about her? I, I don't know. It's weird because it's like, when you see it, you're like, yeah, of course, Kelly. But it isn't really until this episode where people thought she was more on the dangerous side of things. I don't know. Yeah, I want to question that too. I had that thought as well. As I was thinking about the episode later, I, I remember when I watched the episode in real time, I was like, ooh, Drew is a genius here that he saw this mm. on the beach and he brings it up. But, but the, as I was thinking about the episode, I was like, actually, now there might be a lot of editing issues here, but earlier in the episode, Kelly says, all right, who are we splitting this vote with? Or she, she's like, who, who is the other person? It's got to be me, right? Because I'm so close to Bruce. So she is, she is reiterating the narrative Bruce is putting out there that she doesn't want to see, which yeah. is interesting. And I think in reality TV, a theme you see a lot is once one person says a name, everyone tends to go with that name because it's less blood on their hands. So mm. I wonder if it really did happen that order when Kelly said she would be the next, she said something to the effect that she kind of made yeah. it like obvious that she would be picked. It became easier. It kind of like got planted in people's mind. Okay, well, if we have to split, it's going to be Kelly. So it had me wonder like, is did Drew make as bold of a move as, as the, the editing makes it seem to believe or did they all just kind of go with Kelly's own suggestion mm. of herself? Oh, so interesting. Because I wonder if they're going to show some flashbacks next week because, yeah. I mean, the editing on this episode, like, I felt blindsided when she was sent. Like, I was like, <gasps> like, how did, wait, what? I thought it was going to be Jake. And so it, I mean, that felt super intentional that we, you know, were led to believe it was going to be Jake. Usually they let us in a little bit more than they did on this episode, but Oh man, Christina, I'm still stuck on your question of what makes Kelly so likable. Yeah. <laughs> like what makes her want to work with her? Yeah. Um I I don't I'm wondering if it's like it must just be her genuine way of communicating with people or some way in which she's able to like make somebody instantly trust her. Maybe I mean maybe it's her work. I think she's a nurse. She's an ICU nurse. I was about yes. to say I think that line of work it pulls for people who can handle very stressful situations and i mean my my take on this is that she's not like this so she's physically good in challenges but she's not a physical beast threat but mm -hmm. where her strength is is I, my guess is that she just has a very high emotional intelligence and she's able to have an, an individual relationships with people where they trust her and she's able to think further ahead and kind of map out people's personalities and she's sort of a chameleon and it mm -hmm. lends people to trust her so and she's just not she doesn't seem to have threat she seems to be sort of a peacemaker so when you see her in yeah. in conversations it's a very balanced conversation it feels um, I could see why people would like her, would be drawn to her. Yeah, I could see that too. And I think maybe you're right. Maybe all of her training of just being able to be like this calm grounding source 
like and have that type of energy with people like I mean I can imagine that when you're on an island and you have like several people who are really like scared and paranoid some who are just like really mm -hmm. high energy and like a lot to be around to have somebody who's just like calm and grounding and chill you're just like ah like maybe your nervous system calms down too and like I wonder if there's like just human to human bonding that's happening in those ways where you're like, I just feel like I can trust her and I don't know why. That's interesting. It makes me think when I think about other people who've gone very far in reality shows or other survivors, like it is a common theme among the women, a common theme among the winners. I'm thinking of Sari, for example, who's won, mm -hmm. I, I don't know how many times in reality shows, but she's just got this, she's more of a maternal figure, but it is this calming, solid grounding figure the people I I would guess are sort of desperate for when you haven't eaten for weeks and you've been without loved ones in contact, you're not sleeping well, that that must be, uh, I, I could imagine why people would be drawn to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, and maybe the reason her name hasn't come up yet is it didn't occur to people to bring her name up. Mm -hmm. Like, it's almost like mm -hmm. not thinking about her as a threat until her name was brought up and be like, oh, you're right everyone does like her it's almost like maybe it's the first time they realize that not only does she have a relationship with me she has a relationship with everybody else on the island yes. whereas it felt individualistic before that the other thing i think is a common theme in reality shows is if you can't get one person out like bruce who everybody wants out has an immunity necklace then you go for his number one because mm -hmm. you find a way to weaken his game and so if they really are and we have couture in the background like like really, we need to be thinking about Bruce, y'all. And I think they're all agreeing that you can't get him out. She becomes, <laughs> if everyone thinks she's close to him, she becomes a, a target. Yeah. But at the same time, I really still get the impression the reason they want Bruce out is because he's annoying. <laughs> like not from a strategy point of view. So I'm just like, For why are they sure. even focused here? For sure. P P uh, I would think players like Bruce, though, they are dangerous players because if you don't get them out on week one, they often go all the way because That's the players true. who are very strategic, very physical, they're going to be like, I want to be sitting next to someone like Bruce, who everyone hates. <laughs> and so <laughs> he has a good chance of going far because his, per his, his personality that's annoying also can be his biggest asset in terms of if, if the top players are thinking, I want to sit by a Bruce at the end. Yeah. Why do you think people aren't looking at Drew or Austin? Because they have a very strong alliance. I don't know if it's known, but to me, when I see like interviews with them, I'm like, guys, you should really, really be like looking over here too. That is so good. Who knows if editing's a part of it? I think Bruce takes up so much oxygen that everyone is just kind of like fascinated with everything he says and does and doesn't do that people are more are focused on him and not seeing the peripheral edges as much oh like he's the elephant in the room essentially right. that, like everybody's like we are looking and talking about the elephant we in the room stop talking about him right the first thing we talk about he's just so interesting he's such a fascinating character and which which is great to have around if you're austin and drew because you can kind of deflect onto him but yeah it, it could come at the expense of everyone else if they don't see that that I, I agree. Drew, Austin, and Emily are, are going to be bigger threats.
big threats. And I mean, I don't think they showed this in the episode, but I mean, Austin had a lot of motivation to get Kelly out because her being gone and Jay being gone means that his amulet has power and he has an idol now. Ooh, I because of that three way. Yeah. I was surprised they didn't bring that up, but I was like, he had a lot. Of, I mean, so he might have behind the scenes been like, yeah, Drew, we should get Kelly out. But oh, I don't. Does anybody know about this three-way amulet? That was the part I couldn't remember. I don't. I don't get the impression of that. Is there anybody else's D also have part of the amulet? No. Mm-mm. Okay. I think it. I think all the power now goes oh. to Austin, and he has oh. a full-blown idol. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I saw it in an episode. Austin said he loves, he trusts Drew, but he didn't tell him that fact. He didn't let him know. I think so. He might be, the which is probably why he's still around. Because I'm pretty sure Drew would have been like, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially mm-hmm. now that I feel like Drew is very much just like, oh, Emily, like you and me. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if next week we see Drew leaning more on Emily than Austin, because Austin, he hasn't shown like prowess and like immunity challenges yet but i mean i have a feeling that once they put something throw something at him that's more like physically challenging um not just holding things or like staying on a pole that i think that he would dominate on those well and at the end of this week's episode they show previews of the next one they where emily wants a d out and austin's mm-hmm. like no absolutely not and so there is a fracture coming in that group it looks like wow so where will the where will it fall? Who knows? We'll have to tune in for next week. I know. Well, and I'm just thinking too, it's just like, there's no moment of settling on this show. Like in 26 days, there's no moment of settling. I mean, it's like, um, like they're probably not sleeping very much. And so it's just right. like, they're always going to be activated and like right. a little bit paranoid. Yeah. Just feeds into that. Now, this is a crossover comment, but so, and I know I've mentioned her so many times, but I I just finished watching Big Brother. Suri was on both, and Julie Chen asked, what is harder, Survivor or Big Brother? And you might be surprised, she said Big Brother, because she said in Survivor, you at least there are times where the cameras aren't on you, where you could go to another island where there's no one around, where you could go take a nap somewhere, you can escape. Whereas Big Brother, you were surrounded by 10, 20 cameras all at once, all the time, 24 hours a day. I thought that was such an interesting observation. Yeah, because how can, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've had very rare situations in my life where I felt like I was like watched for any length of time. So it's like, I don't really know what that's like. It's like another character in the game for them that they don't really talk about. I wonder, I don't, I I don't know. I wonder if you, if at some point it just become, you can become numb to it because your brain just can't keep checking on that. Or maybe you mm-hmm. don't, but a hundred days is how long Big Brother ran this time. Wow. Okay. It's, I would, I would worry when I forgot the cameras were on. I would just say <laughs> something really terrible. So having the awareness of the camera, like when we're on, we're at travel, like that would be so helpful just to be like, this is when we shore up our brain cells. Yeah. You might be right though, that they forget about it because it's like, unlike an actor who is like, okay, look there, stand there, you know, where you have um, an active relationship with the camera. I feel like on Survivor, there's no active relationship. Like they're aware of it, but then because they're not, doesn't seem like they're being constantly cued to look here, look there. Maybe at tribal they are, I don't know. Um, that it would almost just like blend into the background. It was a 
was interesting as a viewer, was it last season or the couple of seasons ago where they said they were going to take Survivor behind the scenes? So we'd see them how they were setting things up. So that's a great example of an experiment in Survivor. I thought it was a great idea, but I haven't seen it since. So I'm thinking they didn't, it yeah. didn't play well. Um, but I was hoping, could we talk about the Girls' Alliance? I just feel very yes. to talk about this. Yes, of so course. on the beach. Women are looking around. They're like, there's six of us and there's four of them, which is typically how the conversation of the Women's Alliance comes up is that the women start mm-hmm. noticing they could be in the majority here. And it's a common theme that like at some point, and it also almost never works. And why I want to talk about it, because I think there is a narrative in society that women can't get along well, or they can't stick together, or they get catty. And I really want to kind of dispel that, or at least say, at least from my opinion, I don't think that's what's happening at all. I think my theory behind this is that women are so gifted at forming relationships. They're relationship ninjas. They have so many options. They have Mm -hmm. so many more options than the men typically do who might be playing. Like in this example, the women are all on the beach talking about who to trust, what to do, what to do next. And they should pan to the men, assuming at the same time, the men are talking about tacos, (laughs) which is awesome. (laughs) And having been married to a man for 20 plus years, like that is kind of... That's pretty common that the guys are going to talk about sports and food. And that's about, that's about as deep as we're going. So they have fewer, men have fewer options. So it might seem like they're more, more loyal. I just think it's because they're not, women are so good at creating relationships, which makes Emily a dangerous player. I think she's my favorite to win because, and it's so her interesting, her role on the show has been so interesting. So very first episode, she calls out Bruce from across from She's on Lulu. He's on another tribe. And he's trying to say, oh, I'm not a threat. I haven't done this before. And and Emily's like, well, actually, you're the only one telling us how to play this game. So you kind of are. And it was it was fantastic from a viewer's point yes. of view. Yes. And then she repaired it. She worked with Caleb. Caleb kind of mentored her. And she figured out the social game that she hadn't figured out yet. And it seemed like it happened fast. And what's interesting as you watch her through the game, she becomes, she becomes someone people want to they want her on their side. So wherever she goes, they want her vote, even if they don't need it. So for example, in this episode, the Girls Alliance don't really need her. They have five without her, right. but she gets drawn into that too, which I think just speaks so much to her social game. She's able to curry this. Yeah, now She ultimately doesn't stay with the Girls Alliance. And so we'll see what happens to her, that afterwards. But I think it comes down to she's d- done such a good job building relationships. She has so many options. She really could work with the boys or she could work with the girls. And that's, I think, a testament to how well she's playing the game. I don't know yeah. if it's going to be good enough, but it's so interesting. It is so interesting. How much of this do you think is like Emily's actual go-to personality? And how much do you think of this is, oh, Caleb gave me some insight into being social into this game. So I should be more like this version that he has portrayed, you know, like that has painted like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's a really good question. So I am a, <clears throat> my gut instinct is that when you're starting for two weeks with no sleep, like it's hard to hide who you really are. Mm-hmm. So my thought is that she is a very, very intelligent woman who in her line of work, I think she's a stocks investment person, like financial person, like her personality, not a problem because she's not really spinning it with people. She's numbers and her. So it might actually be a strength that she can focus so heavily on a task. And I think it it shows 
how adaptable she is. She starts seeing the feedback that people don't want her, that they're threat, that they're giving her feedback that she's not included. They're excluding her, and all that together with Caleb wanting to mentor her, I think helped her. I, I'm guessing she had to be somewhat flexible, somewhat have insight and awareness that she was able to apply all that to do so well in the game, mm-hmm. which is, I think, why I'm probably rooting for her. I wonder then maybe it's if it's the opposite of what I just said. If in her everyday life, she's suppressed some of these aspects of herself because everyone wants data. Everyone wants the hard hitting like facts, like just tell it how it is, Emily. Like we want you to tell it how it mm-hmm. is. And now here she is on the beach and like she's bringing out maybe the side of herself that like, oh, this isn't necessarily valued in my everyday work environment when I'm like socializing with people, but I see it's valued out here. And maybe it's just like a skill that she suppressed over the years. I would like to think, I would like to think that she's just so clever and adaptable. She figures out what works in any given situation. Now we got a glimpse of her personality when she had a bite of her charcuterie board at the auction and she starts twerking, which I would never <laughs> guess. We didn't see concerned. I just get the impression she's very concerned. She's very, I just had this impression. She's just very held together and professional. And when I saw her twerk, I was like, and she says, this is the real Emily. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. So I think she just has a spectrum of personality and she figures out what fits best for the people she's in, which is her advantage. Because then we have yeah. people like Bruce who have very little awareness of what's going on or don't seem to care, or don't take notes. And it, it's, a, it's a very different play. Yeah. Yeah. The awareness is definitely different. It's interesting to see that contrast next to each other too. You have Emily who is like adapting as she goes. Like every episode, you almost learn a little bit more about her. You like her a little bit more. I don't know that I've seen much in in Bruce that has changed since the very first episode. The Bruce we had then Mm -hmm. is pretty much the Bruce we have now today. You and just see him taking different actions. Is like his vulnerability. I think why people yeah. find Emily so endearing is because we relate to her. We've all been the kid that nobody wanted to play with at some point and struggled mm-hmm. to find our group. And just like that was so endearing, very relatable. And then you want to cheer for her because she does so well versus Bruce kind of like he's sort of impenetrable. He's this he's decided he's going to be the old grumpy man. So he's not running after the bamboo shoots. He's kind of like playing by his mm-hmm. own rules. Which is interesting, but it's not like, oh, I want, it, it's not quite as endearing, I guess, for me. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yes, I would agree with all of those things. So, I mean, I'll be interested to see what happens. I mean, Katura has been very steadfast in her dislike of Bruce and wanting him off. And I will say there's something about that in the game of Survivor that when somebody is just like kind of that, I don't want to say one note about something. Basically, you can count on Katura and you can trust her that if the vote for Bruce comes up, she's going to be on it. She's going to be like, yes, I am your yeah. number and I'm I'm cheering for this. Um, which could end up her downfall, detriment her game. I agree. I think so. She, she's yeah. so blinded to it that I think she's missing all the, the subtle dynamics of everything else that's happening. And I just, I feel like I really want to root for her, but I think as long as she's fixated and she's gone... I hate to be extremist, but I think she's gone too far in the game to go back. Like, even if Bruce were Mm. to leave next week, she's just been blinded by so much of the game. I'm not sure. So much of Uh, her game is in contrast to Bruce versus her standing on her own, making her own relationships, for example. Yeah, that is true. And I mean, you haven't really seen any scenes of Gatura going, I want Bruce out right now, but I think it's better for the game to do X, Y, or Z. Like there really doesn't, you don't see many examples of that contrast of like, or more like kind of nuanced thinking about it of like, okay, but big picture. 
it's um kind of yeah seeing a very narrow narrow view of the game right we don't get to know her because all her mm-hmm. airtime is about how she doesn't like bruce and that's not helpful for her game no no i would be curious to know like if there was more going on surely there is i mean obviously it's hard to see this many characters and the edit and all of that so just wild um well there's a couple other like highlights from this episode to talk about i don't know which one Jake. you're leaning towards going oh my god she's a star this episode it's hilarious he's so funny where should we yeah, start i mean yeah where do we start with jake <laughs> I mean, I'm curious what you think, why he went, if you, I don't know if this is leaning too much on the previous episode, but why, I guess we do know why, why, why he went against everyone in the last vote for Julie. I don't know if you talked about that in the last episode, he reveals, he's like, if you have a group of 10, not everyone's going to get to the top. At some point, someone has to make a move, which is always at this point, what we're seeing drama is like, when is it too soon versus when is it right on time? I think that's yeah. where he got caught up in the, with some people saying he just wait, he didn't win in too soon. I, I I don't feel strongly about it either okay. way, but that's what he was thinking. Yeah, and the honest goodness thing is like if it had worked for him, then it would have been like genius way to go, Jake. Timing was perfect. Yeah, and it's just that assessment because it didn't work. Oh, it was too soon. Yeah. I was like, eh, just you didn't get enough people to agree with you on that one. Yeah. Well, um, I think when part of your plan is though, we have to all be okay with going to rocks, which means anyone could leave the island. That is asking way too much for the other people you're with, unless you really, really, really can trust them. Yeah, I can't think of many situations where everybody's like, yeah, sure, shrug, rocks. Yeah. I also wonder to go. Yeah, I also wonder too, is that like their trust in the game itself is probably flimsy because it's like, oh wait, you know, most of the things that we know from being super fans are quite different on this season and they haven't gone to rocks yet. So how do they know that going to rocks is the same as what the going to rocks used to be? You're right. You could never count on anything on survival could all be new. Yeah. So I could see that. I don't know. They didn't really like voice that, but I could see that also being the back of people's minds of like, yeah, but do we really know? I mean, it could just very well have been like, yeah, now you're going to actually make fire. There's no going to rocks or you're going to do something else. Um, I don't know if they would actually do that, but you never know. Like, I wouldn't be shocked as a viewer to see something different. Um, Were you surprised that Jake didn't go? I think you had said that earlier, but. Yeah, I was like, I was, I was at home going, please don't send Jake home. Please don't. I love him as a character. He's so fun to watch. The Boston accent, I find really charming. He's so interesting. He has a very interesting take on things. He's not found his group in this tribe because the people he was close with, like Bruce, now don't trust him. And the girls for Mm -hmm. sure are not on his side. So he's not really found his home, but I guess I always root for the underdog and I find him really interesting. He brings up a good question, like a coaching point of view, which is how do you know when to trust someone? Like, how do you decide? So there's a mm-hmm. moment in this episode where the girl, Kelly and Katura are trying to talk to him. Don't use your shot on the dark, Jake. Tell us who you want to vote for, Jake. And he's like, wait a second. You tell me who you want to vote for. Yeah. In Survivor is a very insightful mode. If, if people won't tell you who they're voting for, as Jake says, it's probably you. Yeah. So he's getting the sense and they're telling him not to use his shot in the dark which is another red flag. No one's really talking to him about game. So he's kind of collecting all these clues and he decides then I've got to find this idol. So he runs mm-hmm. off and the couture is assigned to babysit him. 
I thought that was a very interesting, like, yeah, reading the red flags in front of you because it could be so easy to just ignore them because it's stressful to think, but just to be able to, and it, it on Survivor and in our own lives, like, but what if I paid attention to these signs? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it'll be interesting to see where it goes from this episode because, I mean, I do think there's a really big part of him that thought he was going to go. And if you think you're going to go, what are yeah. you doing to keep yourself in the game if there's, mm-hmm. you know, 89% of you thinks you're leaving that episode? So mm-hmm. it's like, now they're going back to the beach and it's like, oh, I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. Cause who knows what bombs he was dropping or whatever he was doing in the background totally. thinking he was leaving. Although he was planning on playing the shot in the dark. So maybe he thought a part of him could stay. And his his mm-hmm. message at tribal council I thought was a really good one. He's like, you can't and this gets me. This gets me because I think this tribe mm-hmm. has done this is they have or that when it happens in in Survivor land is when they don't plan on splitting the vote when they purposely dogpile on one person that is survivor 101 you never do that yeah because they have so many advantages why they want to do that though is they don't want to like put their you know bloody their hands with another contestant or bring more friction to it but then you have may have no control because of all the surprises and advantages you don't know about so he voiced i think where travel cancels genius is it voice even if the person um, does goes wh- whether they go or not it's immaterial but they get to say they get to plant seeds of doubt and suspicion and strategy yes. that can stay long past tribal council so when he sat there and said if everyone feels you're safe one of you is making a terrible mistake i thought damn that's yeah. the lawyer and him coming out in a really powerful way yeah well and then he also had that amazing moment where he was just like if i play my like yeah oh that was so good we played my yeah. idol versus he got a couple people yeah. yeah i wonder though if it's just so hard to get a tribe split going because it's not only do you have to convince people on one person you have to convince people on two people and then you have to like actually trust that both groups are doing what they're going to say they're going to do and nobody's going to flip and all that i'm like i wonder if it's just like sometimes an organizational thing it's so hard. This is where I've, I, it seems like a lot of the reality shows right now are very blocky. They're all voting in blocks, which just, it's, it's so confusing. But when we look at last week's episode, when Jake split early, the tribe came down on him hard. So there's a lot of messaging. You're safe in numbers. You're not if you don't. And if yeah. you don't vote with us, you're next week's target. That's a message that's being played. So it makes sense that it would be hard to vote against the others. But at some point, there does have to be a switch. And I think it did happen in this episode when Drew, Emily, and Austin went against and got Kelly out. It started shifting the energy that now there is this minority that's pretty powerful because they're so tight because they made this really bold decision. And I think this is the time in the game. This is why I volunteer for this this date, because this is the time in the game where the majority gets fractionated and that minority small group because they did something really hard they're very tied together they tend to be the ones to go all the way to the end so that's my prediction yeah so there's a lot of momentum at this point so i have been thinking about this all afternoon and how does somebody actually get blindsided on this game because it's like you know at some point if you don't win you're going to be voted off so how do you go into tribal council with not half a thought like it could be me today like when you see kelly at the end there there was almost probably zero percent of her that thought it was going to be her 
and she's blindsided like truly like you see a range of emotions on her face mm -hmm. from shocked to confused to disappointed to like despair Kendra's to crying. accusatory yeah so it's like I'm just kind of amazed at this point in Survivor that like somebody could truly be blindsided to the point of they might be questioning things after the fact for themselves. Like, how did I not see that? I don't know. What do you think? I thought that was, I thought it was so interesting. I had the same thought because I was like, okay, Jake is so surprised. There's no way they could have told Jake ahead of time. He wouldn't be this surprised, but they needed him to be this surprised. So Kendra would feel, or Kelly would feel so safe. And I think mm -hmm. once you start telling Jake and then Jake's like, okay, let me go tell Bruce. And then Bruce tells, I mean, I think, the genius of the Drew, Austin, Emily blindside here was that they were able to keep it very, very small so no one could find out about it ahead of time. Wow. I mean, it had to have been something because I've never seen someone as shocked as she was. I mean, I think that's probably why they did what they did in editing, just so that we could feel a little bit of maybe what Kelly felt to be mm -hmm. blindsided. Because I was just like, how is it Kelly? Um, and I, I'm like so curious to know more. But um but yeah, I mean, I, like, how could you not leave this and then be like very suspicious of whoever orchestrated that move? Yeah. Well, when, Ke when Kelly turned around and looked to Emily, Emily said, I forgot what Emily said. Emily said something kind of neutral, but she said it in a way like, please forgive me is the, the body uh, language she yeah. had. And Kelly looked at her and said, it was you, wasn't it? And I was like, oh my gosh, she just stabbed Emily in the heart. <laughs> yeah. She just realized like she put it all together. Oh my gosh. And you know, that's kind of like seemed very outside of Kelly's personality to just be like um, accusatory or like, you know, just kind of like, but she was just so like raw and in the moment. I mean, she didn't even remember to bring her torch up to Jeff when she walked up yeah. to get it snuffed. Like she yeah. pulled herself together eventually, but it was such a raw emotional moment for her. It was just like such a surprise to see. And I was just like, you, so who you, do you obviously get credit for doing that surprise. I don't know. I mean, I think we're going to see more next week. Yeah. I, it's I, it's got to be some combination, Drew, Austin, Emily. I have to believe Austin was pushing for it, though, just because of the amulet thing that they didn't really show. Um, who else was involved in the vote besides those three? I had that voted for Jake were Kelly, Kendra, and Katura. So everybody else. So, and Bruce didn't so have D, a vote. D and so Julie. D and Julie. I don't, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Would have. So it's interesting. Like, will that be the next group? D, Jolie, Drew, Austin, and Gotta be. Emily. Yeah, um, I think the very interesting thing about Emily's game, though, is I don't think anybody will see her as the mastermind on that. She might have been. I mean, Drew was the first one to whisper it. Yeah, so. I, that is the question I have. Like, who was behind that? Because whoever was is probably is very likely to go to the end because that's just such a masterful move. And I don't know who, because every time they showed something, I mean, even though Drew whispered it, Kelly said it first in front of a group of people. So someone uh. in, did one person in that group when Kelly said it, say, yes, that's what we have to do. And then whispered it to Drew and then Drew said it. Who knows? Maybe we'll find out next week, but that would be, I would love to know who came up with that. Oh, idea. I would love to know. I mean, this is great for Bruce's game though, because at this point it's going to be like, well, Bruce is like, look at what Bruce did last week he like 
the auction, the <laughs> this, the that. Yeah. And I want to say that I was so championing Bruce and Julie at that immunity trial. Like the two people at the yes. very end were the two oldest people, one woman, one man. And I was just like, you know, whatever you feel for Bruce. I was like, good yes. for you, Bruce. Good for you. Oh my gosh. I know we didn't even get to talk about that immunity challenge with, with Jeff stabbing the rice. So dramatic. But honestly, I thought the same thing too, because, and I had to check my bias because ahead of that immunity challenge, I'm always just like, who do I think is going to win? And I was like, oh, it's probably going to be like Austin. It's probably yeah. going to be, you mm -hmm. know, like one of these younger athletic people. And that was not who it is. So it, I mean, it really like speaks to how anybody anyone could win any of these challenges but it's like this is something beyond strength like physical strength that somebody's drawing yeah. from when they win these challenges you know the thing i've noticed with these like really really hard challenges and and there's a bias here but when they ask the the contestants like what were you thinking of so many of them will tell you i was thinking about my daughter i was thinking about my wife and it's like once the human human brain and this is powerful for coaching too once you kind of lock in onto this larger like celestial like life purpose your brain almost won't let you quit which is a beautiful thing to see now maybe everybody else who dropped are thinking about their sister too but it just seems to be like a theme when they interview these people they like they're just really connected to their family in that moment yeah no you're absolutely right um it is very rare that you, when he, he does ask that question, that it's just like, oh, I just wanted to win. You know, I mean, yeah. and that's also like a valid reason to just be like, I just wanted to like win an immunity challenge on Survivor and be like super proud of myself. Especially valid reason, him, but he lost his vote. Totally. Yeah. But I don't think it would have been an, I don't know. My guess is I'd like to believe the romantic in me is like, I'd like to believe that or maybe just like working with a lot of humans wanting it for ourselves often i mean i would love for that to be enough but oftentimes it isn't but yeah. it's a thought of well let me negotiate for my raise because of my kids because of my right. family life because i want to help my mom and when we i when we identify with it's not just us it's others we become such it becomes so much more powerful in in how we show up oh that's such a good point um i feel like we could talk about this for another hour we are at time for today. Um, where can people find you online if they wanted to go find sure. you? Sure. Well, I, I have one reality-based podcast that they might be interested. Yes. They love 90 days. <laughs> and um, and maybe perhaps this one, if you'll let me, I'll put it on my podcast too. I have my yes. own podcast. It's Happy in Medicine. And it's not just for doctors. You'll you'll find something you'll relate to there. And then my website is Your Path in Focus. Com. Amazing. Um, and I'll have those links, including the link to your 90 Day Fiance one in the show notes. And Christina, it was so lovely to have you here. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Lynn. All right. If you'd like this show, I want to let you know, it's not the only of an honest, kind, and happy in medicine. If you go down back to episode 30, I go for 90 Day Fiance Gets Coached, and I take in three characters. I coach them really hard, and I tell you all the lessons you can learn from it. And we cover material we just never cover on the standard podcast. It's so interesting. We'll for sure be doing more. So if you have a show you'd love me to coach, make sure you write me, and I'd be happy to consider. Also, I want to let you know, did you know Black Friday is coming up? And did you know every Black Friday since my business has been around, we have always done a Black Friday special. I actually don't ever shop on Black Friday because I do not like crowds, but I love the excitement that comes from once a year doing something to delight my people in my group. 
and people on my email list and people who are listening to the podcast. So here's what I want to do something very different this year is I want you, if you'd like to write me and let me know, what would you like to see in the Black Friday offer this year? Let me know what would delight and amaze and surprise you. And I will do my very best to make it happen. And then stay tuned for an extra special Black Friday, courtesy of listeners like you. We've actually had some recommendations and I love them and they are happening. So if you have something you want, make sure you let me know right to me right away. And if you've liked this program, I would love for you to consider joining my 12-month group coaching program. We do this kind of work all the time where we're having fun and taking care of ourselves. It can be both and it's not either or. As soon as you get enroll, as soon as you enroll, you get access to everything, all the calls we've ever done. You're seeing me, you'll unlike a private coaching session with me. You'll be on our next group call in just a few days away and so much more. Enroll here at yourpathinfocus.com. That's yourpathinfocus.com. To never miss an episode, a free training, a workshop, a special offer, make sure you've entered your email at yourpathinfocus.com slash email, yourpathinfocus.com slash email. Have a beautiful week, everyone. Bye.